Conventional Podcast. You think going to convention is easy. However, it's, it's anything, anything but. All right, everybody. We have a special treat for you today. Yep. During Midwest Fur Fest in last year of 2019, I happened to run into a lovely couple of authors that we had to have on the show. Yes, their names are Stacy and Reed Bender. Yes. Now, usually around this time of the show, we try and hype up our guests, but we rather them hype up themselves. In this situation, especially when they were so willing to come onto the show and talk to us about how, essentially, how writing works, especially in fandoms. Yeah, so they do a lot of sci-fi writing, and they cover it in depth in our interview that we go through. And because a lot of people go to sci-fi, excuse me, sci-fi conventions, and it's a huge interest of other people, we figured we'd like to cover that a bit in our show today. Yes. So, with that being said, sit down, strap in, and be prepared for a lot of technical errors on our side. Yes, because we got to use Buzz Buzz. Yeah, okay, so for our listeners... Who don't know the dreaded Buzz Buzz? Buzz Buzz, buzz is Buzz our is not dreaded. That, that's no. a little harsh. Buzz Buzz is dreaded by me. Not so, dreaded by me. I'm more dreaded by your machine that randomly crashes. But that's a different topic for that. That being said, <laughs> our usual workhorse decided to die a horrible burning death, and we had to run into our backup, Senor Buzz Buzz. Buzz which, Buzz which, isn't which is, as better. Which is Buzz Buzz only some of the time. Usually it's been pretty quiet most of the time, but sometimes my laptop likes to buzz when we record, so it, we have to record when it's not buzzing for obvious reasons. Hence the name Buzz Buzz. Yeah. Also an Earthbound reference, but eh. Alright. That being said, so expect a lot of drops in sound quality. We do apologize. It's not our... Yeah, in advance, apologies. Yeah, it's it's... It's not our usual standards. Yeah, but we're, we wanted to get this out to you. That's why we wanted to, to get new equipment, by the way. <laughs> yeah, shush. All right, that being said, we really, really did have a fun time doing this episode, and we hope that you enjoy it. So with that being said, we're actually going to switch back over to the recording. And as always, if you like it, if you love it, if you hate it, please let us know. Send us an email. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit, hit us, us up at our email, on Patreon, on, on coffee. coffee. Anywhere that you want to hit us up, please hit us up. We're always happy to listen. Also, there is a little special treat for this episode because we are doing another first for the conventional podcast. We are going to have audible codes or a contest too. Judge your mouth. They don't need the audible <laughs> codes yet. So We're, we're doing going... a contest for audible codes. Let me rephrase myself. Yes. Alright, that being said. With this episode, we are going to be doing a lovely, lovely contest. How you actually enter this contest is actually quite simple. You just share the episode and tag us when you share the episode on Facebook or on Twitter. Every time you do it, you are automatically entered into our raffle. If you win, we will announce it in the very next episode, and you will be receiving a free copy of one of the books that our authors have actually been willing to give us. Yes, and make sure you give us your email in a private message of some sort so we can send you the code after we contact you for it, because otherwise we can't send you the code if we don't have your email. I mean, there's other ways, but we don't don't worry about that. Yeah. Anyway, so all the rules and all the fun stuff will be listed down below, as always. So, with that being said, as always, on with the show. We have guests on the show. Please introduce yourselves. I'm Stacy Bender, and I'm, I'm a Reed Minnick. I mean, they're Hello. both lovers. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What was that? 
We're both authors. Perfect. Oh, wow. Actually, that makes life easier because our topic for today is, if anybody hasn't figured it out yet, authors, publishing, writing, and all that shebang-a-boing. Yeah, so it's going to be an interesting topic. It's a bit of a change of pace for us, but these two attend a lot of conventions, and we figured we'd get their thoughts on how they see conventions and what they think about them. Yes. Again, we know that you're authors, but what got you into this? Out of curiosity. Well, I love sci-fi. I read sci-fi for for a long time, probably longer than most of your viewers uh, have even been alive. And I thought, you know what? I've read enough. I'm going to do one that I like. I'm going to write my story. Yeah, it was a bug. Well, (laughs) you did the same thing. You had that story bubbling in your head for I don't know how long. I had more than just one. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I um, I have always loved storytelling, and but I've all but I literally had teachers telling me I'd never write a book. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah. <laughs> so luckily, I had a really good friend who who kept giving me notebooks for Christmas and uh, and birthdays. So I kind of felt obligated to start writing things down. <laughs> Emerald Tears was the first one to actually get published. Mm-hmm. And that was a while ago. <laughs> yep. But we both loved sci-fi. and We both mm-hmm. loved the same authors and kind of grew up on the same authors. So we have very similar styles when it comes to sci-fi. I'm a little more bloody. Well, you're much more bloody, actually. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I had a little bit of a chance to skim Emerald Tears. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Please more. But <laughs> so actually, since I feel like we kind of jumped a little bit ahead, talk about a little bit about uh, the novels that you guys write. That way our listeners can actually understand what we're getting into. Okay. Well, Emerald Tears is the first of... of the seven Savine novels and Emerald Tears wasn't originally supposed to be a series, but I liked the characters so much that I started asking questions and wanted to answer them. And it, uh, it came out in, in seven very, very different books. Uh, I always tell people you don't have to read them in order because uh, my brain did not allow me to write them in order. And let's see, Ursa Kane is something that I wrote, Oh, good God. That was yeah, 25. Oh, no, it's been more than 25 years, I think. Okay. Yeah, I wrote it a long time ago. <laughs> and the only reason it survived the move to Cincinnati, it was hiding on my hard drive. Fair. That's that, fair. Oh, yeah. No, that that's, that's what happens. Honestly, yeah. we'll be real. Like, half of the original podcast that we set up for this, the only reason it got to YouTube was I accidentally left it on a USB drive at my friend's house. True story. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so you write sci-fi, I, but you also write fantasy, but you also write mystery, and you're kind of a noir. Okay. Uh, most people call my stuff uh, sci-fi noir because it does have a, a dark feel to it. So, Man on the Stair is one of the one of the things I wrote, and one of the reviews that someone did was they they half expected. Philip Marlowe to walk through the page, through the page, um, which I got a real good you know kick out of because Man on the Stair is just a, a near future 
man erased from the system. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you said you said the magic words, by the way, because I'm I'm actually gonna try and get that book later. Uh, <laughs> Philip Marlowe, you said it's Philip Marlowe s. That's that's enough for me. Oh, then you would probably love the the, the series I'm working on right at the moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I love like Mickey Spillane and and Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett, and I actually was reading Mickey Spillane when I had written Emerald Tears. Well, I decided I, I needed some inspiration, so I went back and started reading him again. And I thought, what if Mickey? What if Mike Hammer was a tiger? And it, it just went downhill from there. I'll <laughs> <laughs> do so it too. We can't, we can't say you know Mike Hammer, but we can say Kaiser Wrench. <laughs> and he's a tiger, and his secretary is a lynx, and and velvet black. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's just an anthropomorphic world like Zootopia. And he's a hard-boiled detective, and he's friends with the chief of police, who is a German shepherd, and uh, it is just a wild romp. Furries will love it. <laughs> and this is why he runs around at conventions promoting stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> He does a great job. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. So we kind of jumped point A to point, point B, B, but we, we, kinda, we got there. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to get there. I promise. So one of the big questions that we really want to ask, and I know it's a cliche, but how hard is it to become a writer? Nowadays, it's, it's with self-publishing, it's basically very easy. I mean, you could publish your, your grocery list if you wanted to. <laughs> but the one thing I always tell people when they say, hey, you know, what do I need to do? Uh, what, sh what should I do? It's if you think about what you really want out of writing, what is your goals? If your goal is to make money, um, don't. <laughs> there are easier ways to make money than, than getting into writing. But if you're in it because you love it, because you you want to share your stories, then then yes. Um, uh, and there there's so many different options. There there's public. A lot of people still want to do that that uh, um, traditional, pub traditional publishing because they want that validation. Well, the pitfalls of going through a publisher is. You know, who are you signing with? Are they legit? Um, what does your contract say? You don't want to have your paying job want you, wanting you in San Francisco when your publisher wants you in New York. Um, yes. And uh, so if you want to go the traditional route, it is actually much harder now than it's ever been because there are very few publishers and they're really, really picky. Even really good novelists are being thrown to the curb. Uh, but if you want to go um, self-publishing, it's never been easier. And which is a good thing, and it's also a bad thing. Uh, because, like I said, you could publish your grocery list if you wanted to. Um, cover is is everything. I mean, you, you have seconds to, um, to catch somebody's attention. Um, then once you you get their attention you need a decent back cover blurb and what you need to do is you you need to ask 
four simple questions. Who's your main character? What do they want? Why can't they get it? And what will, what are the consequences if they don't? Yeah. And so actually there are a lot of, it is still kind of difficult to write a good book. So uh, there's a lot that goes into writing a good book and it's a learning process and it takes a lot of time. If you're going to actually write a book, you better set aside some time every day or you will never finish. And uh, yeah, even then, it is still a multi-year process to to write a good book, to get it marketable, to get it out there and get your, a name for yourself. Well, so are all of your books digital or do you actually have physical copies yeah. as well? We have physical, digital, and we're slowly getting everything on audio. So do you prefer one over the other or is it about the same out of curiosity? Um, Reed likes digital. I prefer physical because I forget that I have the book on, you know, the, 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 digi the digital copy. The audio book, you definitely have to have the right reader. Um, and if I, if I pick up an author in audio book, I prefer to stay with that series in audio. I have tried switching to audio and it just was wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speak. I, I'm just going to talk about when Jax and I were playing D and D last week, and he brought up a certain audio book oh. that has Gilbert Godfrey doing Look, the voiceover. You shut up! <laughs> it was oh. You shut up about that. <laughs> you brought it up, and it's all I can think about now. Uh, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Why would you bring that deep? <laughs> you know, I know. I noticed that a lot of people who drive long distance for a living love audiobooks. Mm -hmm. People yeah. who go to conventions, almost all of them love the physical books. And yet there is a market for the digital books. So we're we're we've got our fingers in all of them because there's an audience. It's it's and it's different people. They don't switch over. They generally stay in one group. It's true. I mean I personally prefer a hard copy book because again I was pretty much raised on hardbacks so that's mm -hmm. kind of my thing yeah i'm exactly the same way i was raised on hardback so i usually get a hard or paperback copy compared to a digital copy that's exactly why my entire garage is filled with nothing but books that and yamiko reedman but we don't talk about that anyway <laughs> <laughs> so how do you avoid writer's block when you're writing like do you have any tips on how to avoid that or what's your best way to get around that have fun read a book yeah. go out play do something, get your mind off of, of whatever. Um, stay away from the, the emotional vampires yeah. and, and the people who suck you dry. Um, that's, that's always an issue. Honestly, um, that's something that we've been trying to tell our listeners for a long time about. Avoid drama. It, it saves you from writer's block in and of itself. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and the the internal um, the internal editor who is saying no, that sucks. No, you can't write. You got to turn that off. And the what is that NaNoWriMo thing? You know, write four hundred thousand words this month. That is exactly what we do not do. If we are not excited to sit down and write, we don't. We've learned write something 
and you're really excited about it, while you're excited about it, don't quite finish it. Leave some gas in the tank so that when you sit down, you go, oh, yes, I was excited to say this. And that creativity will keep flowing. Sometimes, though, you kind of run out of ideas. That is a good time to recharge. Go do something that you like. Pick up a, a book, uh, somebody else's book, and it'll inspire you. It may drag you off to another story, but it'll keep that energy going. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I feel that. Oh, that actually is a perfect segue. So we kind of skimmed over it, but there's something that, you know, the standard question that every writer should always be asked. What inspires you to write? Everything. <laughs> oh, the um, answer is yes. I, it, 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 for me, I've actually woken up um, from a dream and said, hey, you know, I dreamt of this, 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 and this. Wouldn't it make a really, really cool story? <laughs> and then I usually tell her, no more anchovies on the pizza at 11 o'clock. No, that's the perfect time for anchovies on the pizza because then the hallucinations <laughs> kick in. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been to um, – uh, I've heard somebody give a speech and, th and think, okay, why are they talking about – you know, and then it runs off into a story. I'm, I'm one of those people who – Nine times out of ten, I have six different stories running around in my head, and they're all screaming to get, to get out. <laughs> Whereas I'm just the opposite. I only have like a, a, a good idea, something burning in me uh, once or twice a year. Uh, and it can hit me from the wildest times. I cannot predict it, and it makes no sense. Uh, I can be watching something on Animal Planet, and I see something like a wasp that lays its eggs in a um, in a caterpillar, and the caterpillar will protect the little wasplings that are killing it until it dies. I'm going, what would it take for a human to want to be a willing host and protect, protect its parasite until it dies? I'm going to write a book about that. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, that was that was Koinobi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So various things that really get my imagination, but I can never predict what it's going to be. Yeah. Sometimes it's music. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Music can be a really good one. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Miller's uh, There Was a Man uh, There was a man Upon the Stair, a little man who wasn't there. He wasn't, wasn't there again today. Oh, how I wish he'd go away. And the next thing I know, I have Man on the Stair, uh, <laughs> yep. which... Actually, he got that from a a, a poem from the 18... yeah, 1899. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and then that particular poem um, has inspired a lot of musicians, authors. Yeah. You know, movies. So you just listen to the words and you think, what does that mean to me? And then uh, it becomes its own story. Mm -hmm. So, since we talked about inspiration. What about common traps, um, aspiring writers specifically? Okay, uh, before you get into publishing, because uh, publishing and, and writing are two different things. <laughs> oh, trust me, I know. Uh, no. One of the weird things that we have found is like we'll we'll get somebody in our, in the writers group or in some of the writers group w that we've gone to, who say, "Yeah, I want to write a book." I say, "Oh, okay. Well, what do you normally read?" Well, I don't read books. Um, oh, no. excuse me that that's like saying 
I'm going to do brain surgery, but I've never taken a class. <laughs> so that hurt it, my head. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, we've seen a lot of people who just had this burning desire to to write something, but they've only watched TV. And so they write something as if they're watching a television. It's like, oh, oh it, when, 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 yes, when the, your first 10 pages is the opening scene of a movie as the credits are rolling, um, that no one wants to read that <laughs> um, movie and novel and stage plays are three totally, totally different animals. And this is one thing a lot of people don't understand. Um, movies, are, of course, are very visual. And if you've ever read a script, they're, they're very, very structured. I mean, you're talking straight jacket structured. Um, stage plays, um, you can be, you know, more verbose where you know the the person has gotten shot and he's saying oh well you know leave me behind and yet you know with this you know five minute monologue as he's dying that's perfectly acceptable on a stage novel writing is more is all mind so you can you got a lot more meat there but you don't want to drain your reader by an excess of stuff yeah so knowing having read a lot will give you a, a an idea of how to write but then you also have to know your audience so it really also depends a lot that changes dramatically if you're writing romance you better know what the romance reader wants demands in their book if you're writing sci-fi and you don't have a spaceship or a planet you're in trouble. Well, but then that doesn't excuse you from writing a Western and calling it sci-fi because it happened on a spaceship. Or has um, an alien in it. Yeah. Sci-fi, unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand that there is a difference between sci-fi and fantasy and often confuse the two. Um, but if you think of it as uh, total opposite ends of the spectrum, that kind of sometimes smush in the middle that's that's uh that's a little easier way to looking at it because you've got your your hard sci-fi where um you know people want exact logical science that you know can be proven yeah no lizards in the snow yeah no lizards in the snow um and then you have the more soft side which you know you don't really get into the technical stuff but it's still fun uh, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have fantasy where you have your magic users and, and your, your trolls and whatever. And then, you know, you, you stick everything in the middle and you've got uh, trolls painting their spaceships red so that they go faster. Hey, hey, only Spice <laughs> Marines can tell us what to do about that. Fast makes go fast. <laughs> Red armor is more powerful than look, blue armor. Look, Eldra we do not talk about Eldrazi's on this thing. No. No. That is a and look. their enemy at the space doors. <laughs> look, look, I'm just saying if we could talk about Warhammer 40k on this podcast forever, I would still slay Lanash for life. But that's just me. 
I mean, that'd be just a whole different. Oh man, topic on its own. Weird. Look, <laughs> that's a that's a different podcast <laughs> yeah. that I'm willing to host. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So so it, you really really need to know your audience. Oh yeah. You know, and that's and that's the one thing I always tell people: make sure you know your audience because, you know, some some people will accept things where where others will not. You know, another thing that I have seen a lot of first time writers, they they have something that's beautiful in their mind, but they can't quite get it out because they haven't answered the. Four basic questions. If you ask them these questions, they will stumble over it. But if you can't answer these questions, you're not ready to write the book. Oh, which is the, the the book blurb that I had said. Yes. You know, who's so, your main Who's your main character? What do they want? Why can't they get it? And what are the consequences? consequences? They can't get it. And some sometimes writing the blurb first will help you uh, write the story. Yes, actually, it helps me a lot. I've been doing that for all my stories uh, uh, after the Koinobi series. Um, I write the blurb first because it keeps me focused on what's important and what is not. And, you know. And then I come in and fiddle with everything. And, and then she comes in and, and <laughs> adds chaos. Going out on like too many side tangents, basically, in your yes. story. And it keeps you like on the path of what of the story yeah. you're trying to tell, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Huh. Actually, yeah, that actually would help a lot because, yeah, streamlining is always going to be the hardest, well, one of the hardest things that I've at least dealt with when trying to write. Yeah. Heck, even just a basic topical thing I can't even do unless I'm constantly focused on what I'm writing. So yeah, I can understand how that would work. You know, every every second or third convention we have someone come up to our table and want to tell us all about their story. And I created a language for my aliens and I I you know I have the the map laid out for, you know, seven hundred square miles. I say, okay, um, what's the plot? Uh <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Oh man. In this situation, and ironically, while we were trying to avoid the publishing question, the thing about that question I was asking earlier, mm-hmm. it it's it's trans it transcends because one of the big things that I've noticed anyway is again, one of the most common traps for an aspiring writer is literally over overloading themselves with ideas. At least that's my opinion. Where they'll say, oh, I ha- like you said, I wrote a language for these characters. I made a giant map. I have beaten Tolkien and completely destroying my entire wall with a giant corkboard detailing exactly how and everything in this world building. Okay, what's the plot? Crap. <laughs> <laughs> it happens a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I never want to stifle that creativity. That's, we always tell people get it down on paper. Don't worry about all the, the trivia. That don't don't give me the language right now. Get it down on paper first. Turn off the editor in your brain. Write out the complete story. It can be fixed later. Yes. Um, don't it, polish chapter one. Oh, God, no, please. And I mean, sometimes it's that way, even with cosplay in the, in the convention community, it's because you try to focus on all the nitty itty details mm-hmm. while you're working on it. And sometimes you see the focus on the whole picture and it's going to work out once you get to the whole picture. 
Yes. Well, the, the one thing with writing is if you sit there and concentrate forever on that first chapter, you'll never get the, the story done. We always... Yeah. And one of the things that happens every time when you write is that by the time you get to the end of your story, chapter one will either be thrown out or totally rewritten. Yeah, because the characters are going to drag it someplace you didn't intend, or you're going to come up with an idea for the plot, and you go, oh, why didn't I think of that from the beginning? Mm-hmm. I'm always telling Reed, just just write. Don't don't worry about I'll I'll fix it later. I'll fix it later. <laughs> we're actually <laughs> we're actually write, writing um, a, a series together. In fact, uh, Kowoki, uh, K-A-W-O-K-E-E. Yes, he's the one who can spell. I can't. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Cloud is the one in this room that can spell too. It's all right. <laughs> and. Because I tend to be a little more chaotic, we wrote the thing in layers, and he he laid the groundwork because otherwise I would I would have it going off in in crazy, um, and you know and I kept telling them you know do not plan five more chapters out. See, I'm a planner, oh, and yeah. she's a uh, she's a pantser. Yes. Yes, I'm the you know right seat of the seat of my pants, and he will spend days writing you know a a a, a graph of what he wants to put in, and because we were working together on this particular story, I told him oh, only one chapter at a time can you do that with, otherwise it will be you know I I don't want to be spending five years on this thing. Um, and so we, we, we did it that way. It worked pretty well, strangely enough. I only yelled at him once and threatened to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're, we're used to that on this show. Don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so many times have I tried to murder you. Same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're actually, uh, The Right to Belong, we, uh, we also, is, was book, is book number two, and we're, we're planning on releasing that next next week yeah um and we're working at, we're actually working on book three but considering i kind of got sidetracked that's yeah she got this great idea now she's <laughs> derailed book three for a while until she finishes this other series isn't that how it happens though work on one story and then out of nowhere i have every idea <laughs> yeah Oh man! So wow, we actually jumped in in some. All right, no, so, about that. Blame it oh, on me. No, you're you're fine. <laughs> oh no, this is this is still good. Trust me. So we were talking about knowing our knowing your audience. One of the big things I was going to ask is, do you have any tips on you know encouraging the audience to think differently? Oh yes. Well, that is something that I like to do. I like to uh, examine things from a psychological, sociological perspective, you know, we can, we all have our stereotypes in our brains to get the reader to, to accept, to, to look at another thing. You have to veil it sometimes. You can do things with animals, with aliens, 
that you could not do with humans, even though you're trying to get the same point across. Oh, yeah, like, like trying to translate a 50s novel into a modern day. I came across, uh, I can't remember exact, the exact line, but the, the, the main character basically told this woman to, you know, get out of, pol- get out of politics. Now, taking the line as is would have people's head exploding nowadays. But if you look at it in context, what the guy meant was get out of the racket because I don't want to see you wearing cement shoes. Well, what he said was get out of politics and go go be a, be a housewife be a, or no, something. No, he didn't say housewife. He didn't say housewife. He said be a female or, or some. Yeah, well. Thing. But it was, it was, you had to read it in context. That's a different way to think about it, too. And that's the other thing. Context is key. Yeah, context is very important whenever you're telling a story or having a conversation. You need to have all the details. Because if you jump in the middle of the conversation, you can get the totally wrong idea. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yep. So um, it's, it's good. If you have something, if you have an idea in your head, I want the reader to close the book and think about this. That's great. Sometimes you don't even want that. Sometimes you just want a space romp. You want them to be laughing. You don't, you know, and they close the book. And and frankly, if they remember a few jokes, you're happy. But if you have a deeper story, then you really have to give us some thought. How is the best way to deliver this, you know, so that they will accept it? Well, that's food for thought one way or another. All right. So the next topic that we wanted to discuss is how you go about character creation and character development in your stories that you write. Oh, well, you start off with a flaw, definitely. Yes. Uh, you know, superheroes, you know, Superman, the way they're generally portrayed, the, the I superheroes. Like, I don't like Superman. I can't stand. Nor do I. I don't. What? I'm not fan of Superman either. Dude with blades. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we were agreeing because uh, both of us have a strange hatred for Superman. There, there's just something about trying to make an Ubermensch character and then trying to say, oh, he has no flaws. And you kind of sit there and go, well, why am I reading this? Exactly. Yeah. How, could, how could that super person have any inner conflict? How could they have a problem that they have to solve? No, they can throw a mountain at it. Forget it. That isn't interesting. The interesting one is, you know, the, the Wolverine, he, he's, uh, he's very strong, but he's a broken character. He's got big flaws. He's not a nice guy. The, the more interesting characters are the ones that are flawed. And I agree with that 100%. Honestly, I can, uh, I can honestly say that I prefer trying to see myself in the shoes of a flawed character versus, oh, well, I'm just going to be over here just floating above the cloud saying I'm better than everybody. No, 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 no. Well, I agree. It helps the reader identify with the character because generally people are flawed in some capacity and it helps them relate with a character in some way that they can see themselves in the character because they have a similar situation or similar type of thing. Dang, we jumped that one clear up. (laughs) (laughs) It happens sometimes. I actually do a panel... um, on world building at uh, at for reality, and one of the things I tell people is uh, look at history for for things because it instead of 
you don't have to recreate the wheel. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, I, mean, I get what you're getting at. A lot of stories are built on stuff that's been previous in society, and people use real world building in their stories. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, it's it's a perfect example. Um, I was reading Garden Garden of the Beasts. I think it was it was it was about the the Nazis and this particular historian, and it was it was based on a, on a true story. This historian was trying to tell everybody what was going on. And, of course, you know, oh, you know, he's just a historian. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's like, uh, excuse me? You know, another one of those, did were, were people really thinking here? That story inspired Sons of Amethyst, where how, what would happen if a bunch of insane megalomaniacs, psychopaths, whatever, got in control and decided, you know, took it took over an entire world and, you know, said everything has to be our way. It was, I usually describe that that uh, particular book as a retrieval mission gone verably, ver- yeah, verably, horribly <laughs> wrong. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm turning them into a pumpkin early. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> no, you're, you're oh. it happens. <laughs> also, one of the big things that I was going to say earlier, we were talking about essentially historian being told that he was 100% wrong when he was 100% right. Mm-hmm. Have either one of you heard the Greek myth of Cassandra? Um, yes. Oh, you have? I haven't. What is that? Oh, so in the Greek myth of Cassandra, she was essentially cursed to own, to be able to tell 100% true prophecies, but oh, the curse yeah. doubles up with she is incapable of being believed. Wow. The entire myth is her just going around saying, I bloody told y'all what's going on. Why can't y'all believe me? <laughs> Shut up, Cassandra. Nobody listens to you. All yep. right. But yes, so... Again, world building, the way it's set up, essentially, always use a story that's been set up before, is what you're saying. Or at least a story. You can use it as a blueprint. Yeah, use it as a blueprint. It's definitely not, I mean, you have to throw your own twist on things. Um, and that is probably one of the uh, one of the don'ts. Yeah, yes, use history as a do, but twist it to your to your own use, but watch out. Because you don't want to have dragons in World War II. Well, yeah, and, and here's another thing. Explain. Good world building, if you're not going to build a, a, a castle if a dragon can come by and drop a boulder on it and destroy it. Okay, why the heck did you... Why? If you have, like he said, if you have dragons in World War II, where were they in World War One? Yeah, so these are things you have to explain, otherwise you have a broken world. Yeah, that makes sense. Another thing that drives me absolutely crazy is when people put 21st century values on 16th century oh, characters. Yeah. That oh, is, oh, that would be annoying. Drives me absolutely no, that nuts. pisses me off. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, perspectives change from generation to generation, decade to decade. I mean, part of being a writer is to be able to take off the glasses of your perception, put somebody else's on, walk in their shoes, and then try and tell somebody else about it. That, that probably made absolutely no sense. No, it made complete sense to me. I got, I got what you're getting at. 
I'll, I'll, I'll give you one example that, um, that really hits home for me. My older sister, she's the, the culinary arts person uh, of the family, was mad at my dad for years because he yelled at her because she ate an entire loaf of bread. She's like, well, why didn't he understand that I was appreciating what he made? And, and I looked at her, I go, Andrea, think about who you're talking to. This man was born in 1919 on a piss poor farm. With, with, yeah, he went through the Great Depression, obviously, if he was born in 1919. Yeah. On a poor farm, 12 kids, two of which died before their first year. He got his ass whipped for stealing an onion and eating it when he was a kid because food went for the entire family. In his eyes, that loaf of bread was supposed to be for the entire family and you were being a pig. That's why he yelled at you. Her comeback was, well, he should just get over it. I'm like, excuse me? You don't get over that type of childhood. You really have to to go. I'm I'm losing. (laughs) 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 I started to talk backwards. I'm sorry. Oh, Um, you're fine. You're fine. (laughs) From what I understood, you meant go beyond yourself to actually understand others. Yes, yes. Yes, walk in someone's shoes for a bit and try to analyze what it is that that the other person has gone through. But you're also going to have to expect that your reader doesn't know history. Mm-hmm. So some things are going to require some explanation. Yes. Uh, for instance, when I was writing the steampunk book, um, I, I was I was referring to a society. And fortunately, I, I, you know, made it very clear, this is not our society, this is not right now. So I was free to, to have um, uh, racial prejudices and societal um, differences, like, well, I'm, I'm a noble, I cannot associate with you, I can't even, like, look at you or speak to you or say good morning to you, that is beneath my station. I had to explain these things, because, yes, I'm, I'm aware of them, but a lot of my readers would not be. So I have to, I can't just like put in there, oh, he was mean to this person. No, I have to say, why? What is his inner thought at the time? Honestly, yeah. And that's the other thing. We can't just say, oh, well, this is bad because it's blah, 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 blah nowadays. No, 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 no. Throw yourself into the actual world building. There, there. It's there for a reason, guys. It, it was there for a reason. Now it may not be. It, it may not be just anymore. It may not have been just then. Uh, so a lot of things. Oh my gosh, we were recently watching some of the 1970s movies that we loved when we were younger, and we look at them go, and go. I, I can't believe I liked this. The guy, I hate him. He's he's a horrible human being. Well, from from our now perspective, yes. Uh, at the time, he seemed cool. Exactly. That that's kind of that's kind of how I am with the original Oceans Oceans. What was Oceans Eleven? Oceans Eleven, the original Oceans Eleven versus the one that came out around nowadays, the black and white one versus the one now. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't remember the black and white one because the current one may as well have taken over. But that one back in the day was perfect for its time period. 
Nowadays, it just feels confusing and stupid. But me, growing up watching those movies, that was still one of my favorite movies growing up because I understood the world that it came from. Yes. Before we actually all become pumpkins, let's actually try and jump to a, a different topic. I, I did have one quick question, actually. Shoot. You said you did world bending, world building. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, world world building panels at conventions. Do you do any other type of panel, or is that the main one? Let's see. Reed does a uh, math scientist electronics convention at uh, oh. at the symposium. Um, I do a world-building panel at for, for Reality, and this last year I also did a, um, a tea party, a Mad Hatter's tea party, uh, because my character, uh, Purple Cat, which, well, Purple Cat Hatter, is a, uh, let's just put it this way, the Cheshire Cat and the uh, Mad Hatter had way too much fun one night. Um, gotcha. There was way too much mercury in the tea. <laughs> Um, and then we also do a, uh, a ballroom dancing um, at that particular convention. Yeah, we might have to go to that just because tea party and dancing sounds like a perfect combination. Mm-hmm. Yes, lots of food. Oh, yeah, I don't always go overboard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, since we've pretty much gone over and then for writing, let's talk about publishing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Get our brains back in order. What kind of publishing? All right, now that's where it gets fun. Um, let's say self-publishing versus the routes that you can take. So any, go paperback? Yeah, paperback, all that fun stuff. Let's talk okay. about all the routes. All righty. Well, when it comes to self-publishing, before you even hit the button to release your stuff, cover is everything. Uh, don't don't chintz out on your cover. Yes. Because, and don't put the kitchen sink on, on your cover either. Because you have less than a second to catch somebody's attention, and well, right. let, let 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 me use let me use the brick story. The brick story. The 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 the, oh, the, 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 DOA, story the DOA. Oh, the Yeah. Okay. There there was this person at that we met on a convention, and I was like, oh my gosh. Can, yeah, I need to help him. And, and Reed's like, no, no, unsolicited advice. You're going to make him cry. It's DOA. There was no he, hope they, they, this Oh, one. my gosh. He had this brick. It wasn't a book. It was, it was more than just choking the mule. It was destroying the entire herd. I'm afraid to ask because oh. I've seen some thick books that can break skulls of pigs. This oh. terrifies. It was... It was <laughs> My turn, my turn. Okay. <laughs> was it like an encyclopedia, the way you're phrasing it? Well, I'll just I'll just call it the brick. Yeah, it was. And like- and and he had this cover, which, if it was on somebody's wall, and you could sit and you could study it, it was it was a beautiful cover, but it was not a good book cover because he had everything, including the kitchen sink, and there was so much stuff going on. You had no idea what was... It, it took me three days to figure out the main character was actually on the thing. I have no idea what his name was. I have no idea what the name of the book was because I couldn't see it on the book. And that's another important thing when it comes to covers is the typography. You have to see, be able to see your your title, your your name, 
because you want that recognition. So when it comes to a cover, if if art is not your strong suit, get somebody to do it for you. And somebody reputable because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to have somebody say, oh, well, here, I made this for you and come to find out half the stuff they put on the cover is all copywritten. You could get into serious trouble with that. Either that or MS Paint. Yeah. Yes. Or, or some some um, what is it? Uh, stock images. Yeah. So that was that was his first mistake. And I picked up this huge thing and I opened it up. And it was teeny tiny little print, and it was it was bleeding over into the margins and everything. And I looked at him. I go, "What is your word count on this thing?" And he had some crazy. Yeah. I don't know. It was like six hundred thousand. Yeah. I mean, he literally crammed six books into this book. Uh, um, okay. And in and you know so when it, when it comes to publishing, if a novella is usually about thirty k, no, uh, novels are somewhere, but some of them there's a fudge line between fifty and sixty, and they can go up to about hundred and twenty would be epic. When you hit the ninety mark, your book is going to get more expensive to publish, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is if you're if you have your if your book is too long, it's going to be too expensive. It's going to be too intimidating for the average reader. But I digress. So anyways, <laughs> he had six books in this one book. And, I mean, the, 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 the brick was already intimidating to begin with. And so you open it up and you can, and, and it was even more intimidating because of what you saw inside. And then I tried reading a, a paragraph. And there was so many unnecessary words, so many adjectives, so many, oh my gosh, it was like the, you know, this guy, a male, or person, a male, walked through the shiny, silvery sunlight, you know, <laughs> me, um, slowly down the path. And when you, he could have said, the guy meandered down the path in the middle of the day. You know, it was it was just it was crazy. The thing that we've known, you know, we've figured out over you know all this time is you spend a year writing a book. Great, you know, you can you can polish it. That's all good. But when it comes to actually getting someone to read the book, you've got a cover. They see that they make a decision within a second. If you have a good cover, and that's kind of a a genre specific thing mm -hmm. they will look at the back cover blurb mm -hmm. if your back cover blurb doesn't catch them and they're only going to read it you know just kind of quickly glance over it if that doesn't catch their attention you're done they will walk on cover super important then they're going to read that first page if you've got to this point you're in pretty good shape but you can still tank yourself by having you know problems on that very first page it could be formatting it could be misspellings it could be not having a um a coherent sentence it uh, it, it's and that's a, and that's a big thing um not too long ago someone asked me to review their book and the cover was good the blurb was good i you know i i looked i looked at the first page and went 
Okay, the formatting is all messed up, and the first line makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Okay. How many times have we picked up a book and go, you know, wow, that cover looks good, the blurb looks good. Mm -hmm. you, you read that first page, you go, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the one thing I was actually going to give as a tip, and this is something that I've noticed, while... Yes, the front, the back, and the first couple of lines are important. One thing that I always like to see is a good spine. Because sometimes you're not going to be able to see that front cover. Sometimes the spine actually will catch your eye before anything else. Mm. Uh, so what do you look for on the spine? Well, A, I look for a pretty decent bold text. That's one thing. Number two, I look for good art or at least something that's eye-catching. And three, so long as it's not pink, I'll buy it. <laughs> I, I I can't do it. I, I don't know why, but I can't buy books with pink text. It might be something to do with like I'm partially colorblind and pink burns my eyes. But that that is a key thing for me. I can't I can't do pink. But but spines actually catch my eye too. And like sometimes it's the text on the spine with the addition to like the artwork is what catches me. Though the color pink doesn't bother me like it bothers Jack. <laughs> it burns my retinas. I'm sorry. Specifically so neon pink. Jesus. Yeah, so so being a, a good writer takes time and takes certain skills. Mm -hmm. But if you you don't you can't assume that you're the whole package. You you better not be your own artist. You better not not be your own graphic you designer. Have, you have to know your limitations. Um, and one of the things is if you write a book, you want beta readers. Beta readers are golden though they're the people who are willing to read your book and give you feedback other than oh yeah it was good um or bad you know they're the ones who are, are going to say why did you do this or this is misspelled or is isn't it they're hunting pheasants not peasants um, <laughs> I mean, they can do both. <laughs> Let's be real. Depending on where you're at, you can do both. And then there's editing. You you, you always want a, a good editing job. Uh, you can buy a pr programs that can help you edit. I we have one that has has actually helped me with my writing because I have trouble with homonyms, homonyms and yeah. <laughs> And uh, comma splices. <laughs> yes, he he yeah, he so. tends to be one of my editors. Yeah, anyway. so, so I'm the editor, and comma uh, splices are also the bane of my existence. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we we actually have like two internal sets of editing that we do before we hand it to someone else for a professional edit, mm -hmm. because you want that thing to be clean. Um, there's an awful especially, lot that goes into especially the first ten pages. If you can, if the the first ten pages are, are crucial. Um, most people, unless they're grammar Nazis, if you're there enjoying the story, their brain will go on autocorrect, and that's most people, but not everybody. So you you do have to try and have a, a, as clean a copy as you can. Uh, within your budget and without driving you insane. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you were saying that you had that you got an editing program specifically for your writing. Uh, which program is that, by the way? Um, I use um, Pro Writing. Pro Writing Tools or Pro Writing Aid. It's Pro, Pro a, Writing Aid. 
ProWriting okay. 8, okay, yeah. yeah. And actually, I, I use two different things. I use ProWriting 8, and then I have a text-to-speech program because I, I have a problem where, you know, I do my brain good does more than just autocorrect. If I if I see a sentence and it's written how you are, I automatically see it as how are you. And some you can you can point it out, you can highlight it. I have a really, really hard time seeing it. Um, and it may take me five, ten minutes to realize it that that there's a mistake there. But you'll hear it immediately. Yes. And it could be the difference between Find, finding, not found at all, finds, find did, did. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, the grammar programs will help a lot, but uh, they can't catch everything. But listening to it catches a, a ton of stuff mm-hmm. that, uh, that programs won't catch. And even then, you're still going to get mistakes, and that's why it's a good thing to have somebody else uh, look at it who has not gone over it several hundred times. (laughs) Oh, yes. Trust me, I know that much. And that's also why when I'm doing these prompts and actually doing most of my work, I'm doing text-to-speech because I cannot trust my fingers. Mm. They'll say one thing. I'll probably say ham sandwich, and then things get weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also agree with your point that sometimes taking a break from your work and then coming back to it to have like a fresh look at it is also beneficial. Because in my line of work, when I'm looking at documents, sometimes if I'm struggling with a certain document, I, it's like I, maybe I'll take a break, come back at it with a fresh set of eyes, and then I'll be good to go. Oh, Stacy, Stacy hurts me so bad. When I finish a book, I want it, I want it out there now. <laughs> there is a three month. Three month, three month cool down period where it has to sit. You can't think about it. You can't talk about it. And then after three months, you have to go back and reread it. That is torture for me. But she's right. You have to have a clear, clean mind. You have to, you know, you have to come at it with as close to fresh eyes as you possibly can. Because you'll you'll just glance right over the mistake that's right there, and but in your brain you're already you've moved past it. I'm gonna have to take that up for granted on that one now, because I need to actually start doing that again. We have gone for one question and somehow added every tip under the sun, which is good. <laughs> do we have? Do you guys have any other tips for starting out, especially? There, there's a lot of things out there. If you if you if you want to have your book published by a, a, a publisher, do your research on them. Anybody can say they own a publishing company and be working out of their basement. Yep. Anybody can say, "Hey, I'm an agent." Yeah. So do your research on them if you want to do the traditional publishing. If you want to self-publish, know your limitations and be very very careful and don't be lazy. I recently found saw this ad where this person will will write your back cover blurb for 150 bucks. Oh my gosh! And then I've also met people who, you know, I've pointed out, hey, you've got this mistake and this mistake, and she and they go, oh well, well, uh, an editor will take care of that. It's like, how many editors do you want to go through, and how 
How much money? How much spend? money do you want to spend? I mean, if you had enough money, you could write down an idea and pay somebody to write the book for you. But you know, what do you really, really want to do? And the the one thing that that we see a lot writing groups find a good writing group now writing groups are a blessing and a curse because you have to take everything with a grain of salt if three people tell you i i'm so lost here then it's probably a uh there's probably something there that's that's a problem but if one person says it to you you have to kind of like gauge that but one thing that we see almost universally a hundred people will come into the writing group and say, I'm going to write a book. 97 of them never will complete that book. So set aside time every day or you know, five days a week, sometime that is your writing time and write because get it down. Doesn't matter how bad it is, get it down. People start, but they never finish. I think we were, we were trying to talk about publishing. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong. No. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there there is a lot of, of things out there. You know, people will say, hey, I will format your book for you. Well, there's programs out there now where you can just hit a button and it'll it'll format for you. I'm old school. I I do the formatting myself just because I know how to do it and I don't want to sit there and and fork out money I don't have to one thing that we really do spend money on is the cover because neither of us we, we learned early on that we're we're not good at covers so look at look at what you're able to do and don't be lazy if you're if you're going to be you know, lazy if you know how to do something or you know you can learn how to do it take the time and learn because Self-publishing can get very, very expensive if you're not careful. I'm always trying to budget on a, on a shoestring. Um, we go to one of the biggest things when we started doing conventions was, okay, what what conventions do we have in the area? You know, our, our, how far away are they from home? Can we drive there in a day and not, not have to get a hotel room? Um, who do we know in a particular area where a convention is so that we can kind of visit and do business at the same time? You know, because your, your hotel expense at a convention is probably going to be your, your biggest, yeah. your biggest expense. Yeah. Yeah. Usually uh, is. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that in length. Uh, oh God. Yeah. I'll bet you have that problem a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We were actually just talking about, traveling out of state and what friends we could stay with actually before we started recording today. I offered to be a hobo for a day. I was fine. Yeah. Like living under a bridge is nothing new to me. I'm good. Yeah. I was like, we had to see my family in Pennsylvania for a day and then go to a convention. I'm down with that. But yeah, we were literally talking about that just today. <laughs> I am totes down with sleeping in your car. That That's an option. I'm cool. I mean, we got heated seats. We ain't wrong. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, that is one of the higher budget things that and food. That, yeah. that, that's another thing we got to get on. I'm fine usually as long as I'm hydrated. I can go 24, 48 hours and not eat. Reed cannot go six hours without eating something. So I always have to make sure that I've, I'm carrying crackers, cheese, 
bottled water, energy bars, you know, yeah. just so that he he is is. Well, um, that's a totally different subject, but yeah, say, staying alive at a con can be difficult for some of us. So, yes, yes. You know, if yeah. we don't eat properly and hydrate, we'll, we'll probably end up sick like long before Sunday. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, that's how complex starts actually, if not a couple of hundred different ways, but mostly food. Yeah, mostly poor nutrition and, and poor sleep re- leads to a weak immune system, and then cotton plague starts to spread. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's how we get our own version of every type of T-virus known to man. But we don't <laughs> talk about that. Always will be the one to tell somebody, if you're going to go to a convention, bring an orange. Bring an entire bag of oranges. I don't care if you hate oranges. Bring a bag of oranges. Yeah. And get sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, sleep is important. Even during conventions where you're like, I am pumped up full of adrenaline and I want to run everywhere. (laughs) Okay, let's see you on Sunday. (laughs) You look like a zombie just came out of the bog. No, (laughs) no, little child. Sleep. I, I especially love it when people who come hundreds of miles driving, by the way, to a convention and go, I'm not going to sleep for the entire convention. So who's your next akin, by the way? I need to write this down. Yep. But yeah, before we jump too far off of topic. So um, back to publishing. One of the things that I was going to ask is, how would you suggest getting the name out, out of curiosity? Uh, you mean marketing? Like you're marketing your book? Yes. Uh, that, that, that is going to be different for everybody. Every um, genre has a yeah. very, very different path. We're we're not big on on social media, but I purposely you know got onto Facebook because of um, the books. Uh, we have a, a website. Uh, I'm trying to do a blog, and I've actually um, I think I've actually managed to get at least one blog out per per week for the past two years now. Yep, and that has helped. And and yes, that has helped. Um, some people say, "Oh, well, you need to be on social media like you know, twenty thousand times a day." And it's like, um, I'm sorry. When are you gonna have time to write? Right. Um, and but I I do realize that social media is one of the things that's going to uh, drive your books. Um, when it comes to sci-fi, I've found that you almost need a third-party introduction. Uh, so if you can get one person that likes your book to to tell somebody else, um, that's a, a, a way to go. Um, we've tried things like uh, uh, Insta Freebie or um, I can't remember is it where there's there's supposed to be promotional sites where hey you know give away your you know a, an e copy of your book and these people will do a review for you. Well, you know, you might give out a thousand copies of, of your book and you'll be lucky to get one or two reviews. Yeah, marketing it, is very difficult uh, for sci-fi. It works better for other genres like mystery. Uh, romance is huge. Things that will work for romance won't work for sci-fi. We love to go to the specific conventions. So mm-hmm. we'll take... We'll take our sci-fi books to the sci-fi convention. We'll take our steampunk books to a steampunk convention. We'll take absolutely everything to a furry convention. <laughs> um, 
when people see you multiple times and they see that book and they see other people walking around with that book, familiarity familiarity helps a lot. Um, something that I do that helps a lot, and but it depends on the con, is I just go up and I talk to people. I say, do you like books? Oh, yes, I love books. Now I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to hear, what kind of books do you like? And I just ask them and have them lead me to give them the card with the book that will interest them the most. It works fabulously. Um, we we yeah. actually have like tripled, quadrupled our sales at some cons mm -hmm. simply because I go up, I know the blurbs of everything, and I ask people, what do you like? And if they say, I don't like books, I walk away and move on. But if they do like books, I talk to them and I recommend a book. And they can come back to the table. They don't even look at the other books. They go, I want this one. Yeah, <laughs> we've actually have um, business cards with the covers of the books so that, you know, our information is all on one side and the cover of the book is is on the other because you know a lot of people are visual they don't know i know me i'm terrible with names you know it's it's the one with the red cover you know type thing <laughs> <laughs> but if you have that 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 piece of visual um you know even if they don't take that card back to the table and say hey i want this one they have it with them where and they can look it up later on and I think the series we ended up doing as postcards, which is a little more clumbersome, but it's it still works. Uh, the first time we did Anthrocon, we got we, we we got a half table, and we got stuck between this artist and this T-shirt place. So I, I'm like standing in this like McDonald's drive-through window, <laughs> and we were like, oh my gosh. No one is going to see us because he went out and he talked to people. People were actually coming, coming to find me <laughs> while I manned the booth. And I, I didn't even have to say anything as I, I want that book. I'm like, okay, here. <laughs> I'm still yeah. thinking of the McDonald's window. <laughs> Hi, welcome. What can I get you? I'll take two number twos and, oh, can I get the book as <laughs> One from column A, one from column B. <laughs> I'll have a large number nine, two number fours. I need three. <laughs> I need two number nines, two three number fours, and four hardbacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want to supersize that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can get an encyclopedia too. <laughs> I can get a dictionary. No, 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 no. I can get a brick. All right. <laughs> you do have to be creative with your marketing. Look for opportunities that are outside the norm. Uh, we have friends who are doing something as a business, and we're putting a, a promotional thing inside the um, inside the thing that they ship out. So look for opportunities. The wildest things. If you're if you're paying attention, you will find some new thing to try. Not everything's going to try. You throw things against the wall and you find out. Uh, some people, say if you're doing a steampunk book, they dress up in steampunk. Um, I remember at one of the conventions, uh, somebody was running around as, as a troll, and his main character in his books was a troll. I dress up as a giant purple cat, and it 
people seem to like that. <laughs> oh man, I mean to be fair, I wander around like a crazed black man, which for some reason most of our fans enjoyed. I do not fully comprehend it, but you know what, it works. And uh, I, I'm just me. I don't. <laughs> you dress up as a sparkling anime girl. I do, and then. You advertise us by flaunting your miniskirt. That's what you do. Don't lie to me. <laughs> I've seen it. It's weird. Yeah. You're weird, Cloud. I, I, no, I haven't denied at any point being weird. <laughs> <laughs> Fair He's enough. Outrageous. That's yeah. you know, hero Tim you know, most writers are timid. And that's too bad. That that's gonna be a, a hurdle you have to get over. You have to be out there. You have to be putting your personality forward because people will buy from somebody that they like, that there's a connection with. If you're having fun and you've got a smile on your face, that's going to attract a lot more people than if you're sitting there looking like a grump. Exactly. Now, unless it's that genre, but I still I have yet to find a genre where it's just (laughs) nothing but edgelord sitting in a corner. Oh, wait, no, that's industrial. <laughs> Wait, no, that's OSHA. That's OSHA. That's what it is. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So now let's actually roll back. What are common traps that writers fall into when they, when trying to actually get out, uh, specifically in the publishing side? Well, we've stepped on every landmine out there. <laughs> uh, well, we we um, when we started out, we actually had a a. A publisher. We went the traditional route. Unfortunately, the um, the place went under. We were lucky enough to have a clause in our contract that we got our rights back. So be very, very careful about what you sign if oh, you're going to go yes. through the, the traditional route. I'll always go read the fine print. Contract. Yeah, go over that contract with a fine-tooth comb. So we, we, like I said, we got, we really lucked out with getting all of our, our rights back because I was halfway through the Savine series. We would have lost that. We, we would have lost your series. We would have lost Ursa Kane. Oh, God, yes. Because one of the things is, is with traditional publishing, you know, they have, you basically sign over the rights to your book. And if that publishing company says, we we can't sell your book your books. You're not making us enough money. Uh, we're dropping you. Well, unless there's something in the fine print of your your contract, there's a very good chance that you will lose that storyline. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. That's that's what one of the things that happened to one of my favorite writers, which mm-hmm. kind of sucks. Uh, it's a miracle he's actually bringing out some new stuff now, but back in the day, it broke my heart when I heard about that. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to uh, go with a traditional publisher, you better also realize that, yeah, you might want to tell the story, but they're the publisher, and they're going to say, well, yeah, but we need a prologue, and we need um, a cat. We, yeah. you know, we need a cat as a secondary character. Or, oh. well, we're, no, we need you to to land on a planet full of of bugs or dinosaurs or whatever they're going well, to have some that's, control yeah there there there's always a chance with traditional publishing that you wind up getting the psycho editor yeah. oh, psycho editor jeez <laughs> uh yeah i i almost had a bonfire in my backyard when i yeah. need to hear the story 
Oh, um, let's let's put. I had a very it was dystopian, dark, full length novel, and this guy went delete happy. I mean, he didn't he didn't even tell me he was changing things. He just changed them and did you know did wholesale deletes. Uh, I think it wound up being uh, a rather long, short story. And he <laughs> turned my main character, who is supposed to be this very pale... Almost an um, albino. Uh, well, not that, yeah. comparatively speaking. But he he was... He turned him into a zombie. I'm like, what, what, what the hell? <laughs> and and I... I basically went off on him yeah that uh, that um yeah, but the publisher if they if they decide decide that zombies sell you might end up with a zombie or you might end up having to find another publisher yeah but yeah we we learned a lot of what not to do from this particular publisher before they went out of business yeah, and and uh, so we we met a a lot of people that we needed to meet to help us to get over a lot of the, the, the pitfalls. And so there, there's, a, there's a lot of, of learning in any particular genre, genre you, you choose in trying to find out what works, what doesn't. Every, uh, every author is going to have their hor- own horror story, and you just you have to learn from it. Yes, but fortunately there are lots of Facebook groups, uh, meetup groups, where you can meet other authors and share your knowledge and learn from others. We we learned, you know, uh, people would say, oh, well, I use pro writing tools, so we gave it a try. Oh, we like this. Uh, other people give tips on what marketing works and what marketing doesn't work. And although you have to take everything with a grain of salt and try it out because not everything works for everybody, learning, making connections, absorbing from other writers has made worlds of difference for us. If we were just on our own, we could never have accomplished much. I mean, fair enough. Trust, and again, being able to work with other people probably is one of the best things about this type of career, if I'm right, anyway. Yes. One of the things I'm actually curious about, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, do you have any horror stories or fun stories um, just learning and going through writing in a nutshell? Oh, every, 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 like I said, every every writer has a horror story. Oh, more um, than one. But... Yeah. And I think I, I've already mentioned that before I even put pen to paper, I, I literally had teachers telling me that I would never write a book. Yeah, you know, I think the, the biggest monster that everybody has to face is themselves. Yeah. Their own self-doubt, their own, their own editor telling them they can't do it. And that's what sucks about this. I guess we are down to the final questions. The biggest one on the list is, what is the best thing you've learned during your years of writing? Oh, yes, I know what that should be. Oh, what? Having fun? Yes, <laughs> have fun. If you're not having fun, you're doing something wrong. If you're worried about, oh, I didn't make any sales, or, or gee, where am I going to find an artist? If you're not having fun, circle back and, and start having fun, because that's what this is all about. All right. I can dig that. Yeah. We 
we got in this for the fun. And if I wasn't if I wasn't having fun, I don't I don't think I'd be writing. But there I are a lot of that. things that, that want to steal the fun. Oh God, yes, yeah. Uh, I think I've already mentioned the emo- emotional vampires, the uh, the naysayers, the 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 grammar Nazis that are like, oh well, you had you had this wrong on page, you know, twenty five. Yeah. You'll it, never it, be any good at writing. Your um, spelling sucks. Um, and we even do it to ourselves. But. Yeah, we we are our own worst enemies. But there there is a lot of people out there, and and some of them might be well-meaning, but, you know, if somebody has a dream, don't tromp all over it. You know, ask them, you know, if if nothing more, ask them, okay, you have this dream. Do you have any ideas on how to get there? You know, what are you going to do to get there? Don't just say, oh, you'll never do it. Well, find people who encourage you. Yes. And encourage others. Yes. Definitely. So we love to talk to people uh, at you know conventions or whenever or online, especially online. Who, uh, hey, here's where I am. Can you help me? You know, what should I do? And yes, we can easily help you. We love to do it. So yes, find people who encourage you and encourage other people. And if you like someone's book, reviews are oh, reviews, are yes. are like gold yes um and it doesn't have to be on amazon or or barnes noble or goodreads it could be on goodreads uh, reviews are worth their weight in gold because you know i, I wasn't kidding you you give out you you could give out a thousand copies of your book and you'll be lucky to get a, a review or two and it, it and that is very very frustrating because reviews do drive uh, a good chunk of your sales you know, when we when we get a review and we read it, you know, it puts a smile on our face. Even if they say, well, yeah, I, you know, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't particularly like this piece, but I liked the book in general. We're smiling. We really light up when someone comes to the table at a convention and goes, oh, I read that book. I loved that character. That makes our day. Yeah. Feed, feedback is always important to any writer because... If if you're if all you're hearing is crickets, yeah. Why know, am I doing this? Who's yeah, reading it? exactly. Oh no, that this transcends books too. This goes with podcasting too. Technically, <laughs> any art medium that you're taking place and feedback is generally pretty necessary. Oh yeah, that's why I love feedback. If anybody likes to give feedback, seriously, feedback. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Oh, that's the one thing we probably don't get enough of on this show. Do you realize how much nightmares I get when no one gives feedback? I will literally sit there for hours on end doing editing and then staring at the numbers going, no one's saying anything. Right, so you think, why am I doing this? Am I doing it right anymore? Oh, well, yeah, there's that too. Yeah. Oh, man. Sorry, I had an existential crisis there for a second. Anyway. So if you could go back in time and tell yourself when you began a tip from where you are now, what would you tell your past self? I'd say it's all worth it. Just just do it. You know, yes, there are going to be like screaming fits. There are going to be like, oh, you know, throw it in the trash. I never want to do this again. 
but it's all worth it. I'd be afraid to tell myself anything. What, because just because of the whole space-time continuum thing? or <laughs> Yes, I, I, I am the worst person to watch a time travel movie or time travel book with, unless it's Doctor Who, because that's that's wibbly wobbly. Timey-wimey. Yeah, timey-wimey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you don't... No, <laughs> I, I would be for, I, I would be afraid to go back, say the wrong things, and and end up going off on another uh, line. <laughs> no, somehow you end up doing something completely wackadoodle, and then it just yeah, no, I, that that's respectable enough. That's also why if I ever go back time and talk to myself, it's just going to be random incoherent screaming, so that I have the memory of some <laughs> random angry hobo screaming at me. <laughs> Yeah. I can believe that. Because yeah. yep. you, you have to admit, even even when you make mistakes, you're still learning something. Right. And sure. always, you know, it, it, it don't don't ever get yourself so down that that you you can't get up. Uh, it's it's everything is a learning experience. Even the stuff that that even your mistakes, if as long as you learn from from it, it was a good mistake. You know. Right. Yeah, mistakes hurt. Mistakes happen, but we when we fall down, we got to get back up eventually. Yeah. 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 Oh. Oh man. Honestly, this has been redonkulously enlightening. Seriously, thank you guys for coming onto our show. Yeah, thank you for coming and speaking with us today. Mm. What a blast! Love yes. it. Oh, honestly, if you guys ever want to jump back on again, because honestly, when it comes to writing, there's just so much that we can't talk about in a short period of time there are so many subtopics and oh, uh, oh it's it, it's so easy to back up the truck and, and dump oh, yeah. <laughs> but it would take so long <laughs> oh hey you guys have been beautiful trust me but honestly thank you so much for coming on to our show jacks i look thank- forward to seeing you at a convention and cloud i hope i see you there one day too yeah i was a little sick when he went this time, so I had to sit this past con out, but there's always this year. Yeah, there's always this year or next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Just, yep. But, alright, so where can our listeners find your books, by the way? Uh, uh, we are on, on Amazon. Um, the the audiobooks are on Audible. Um, Stacy Bender, S-T-A-C-Y B-E-N-D-R dot net dot net or read minick r-e-i-d-m-i-n-n-i-c-h dot com and uh, we're even on facebook i think i have it under stacy and reed authors i think authors come first um comes first come to think of it (laughs) (laughs) it's all good well hopefully our listeners will actually sit down and give you guys a read because my word your work is beautiful and it needs to be actually heard, read. I don't care how it's done. I will uh, look. If I have to go out and beat somebody in the leg with a crowbar, I'll do it. I've done it before. I'll do it again. And, and if anybody wants uh, help with uh, writing, uh, they can contact us, and uh, we'll uh, be glad to help them. We'll even let you know that they contacted us uh, from your site. I'm down. Yeah, that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah. But all right, as always, we got to do it the old-fashioned way. So if you guys want to hear us anytime, anywhere, any style, any stage, you know how to hit us up. All of our links will always be in the description. Hit us up at the conventional podcast at podbean.com. 
And you can email us, email us at conventionaldepodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Oh, don't forget about our coffee. Don't forget about our Patreon. If you want to get a shout-out on the show, if you want to actually get anything set up on the show, or if you just want a topic to be brought up, hit us up anytime, anyway. And if you want to talk to us on Twitter, we're on Twitter at conventionalcrew without the E. Yes. So, we've come to the end of our time. This is Jet Caleb. <laughs> who, the, who allowed you to be me? I didn't even finish that word. <laughs> Look, I knew what you were doing. Look. You normally sign up first, then it's usually me. Fine. <laughs> I'm Fine. just saying. Fine. <laughs> anyway. This is Jack. This is Cloud. And if you guys want to join in the sign-off, too. No, uh, Stacy And Reed. <laughs> All right. And we're signing Hello. off. Peace. Hello. Bye.